uh, when I was watching games, yours was the lowest priority for me uh, because I, <laughs> I just don't think loading is that fun to watch. <laughs> That's like fair. there were more interesting games watching Four Color or. Uh, I liked watching the Merktide guy you play the finals against. I watched him a couple times. Oh, he was yeah. great. Yeah, he's he's very good. Merktide is one of those decks that, you know, you have to be very good at it in order for it to deliver the goods. I really enjoyed I watched like three of his matches. Yeah, I, to the, this is, I'm planning on this being a pretty casual episode. I f- figure just kind of like talk about the tournament, talk about whatever we feel like we could talk about the hooglin shit on twitter that happened today i didn't know anything happened with him today i i'm internally online but i also have hooglin muted oh yeah me too i mean i'm blocked so oh i'm, I'm not blocked because i've never interacted with the man neither have i i have <laughs> no idea why i'm blocked will hall tweeted a screen cap of a hooglin tweet which is him snitching and him like tagging twitch in a tweet and saying hey twitch this account will's account has just been playing youtube videos non-stop for the past six months is this allowed because will's been doing like the streaming the coverage of old pro tours yeah. yeah and so he's just like trying to tell on him to twitch <laughs> just being a big wet baby why don't you just let it go like why would you care if it even if it's not allowed like why would you i can't imagine caring I mean, it's a 24-hour stream, right? Like, yeah. it's always live. So it's not like, you know, the viewers... It's not even, like, stealing viewers or whatever from him. It has, at most, like, 300 viewers or something like that. It's just not... And and if somebody wants to watch old Pro Tour coverage more than they want to watch your stream, then that's your fault, right? <laughs> like, even if it did impact him, which it isn't. I don't... I just don't understand why the fuck people watch Jeff Hoagland. It sounds... It's just the most miserable concept in the world. There's a lot of magic players, um, and I don't understand what most of them do. Yeah, same. Like that's that's just I've given up, you know. <laughs> yeah, the thirtieth uh, anniversary thing. I don't know. A lot of people don't seem to be excited about that, which makes sense. But the fact that they would be like, "Yes, this is a thing that magic players want," is weird to me because I just can't imagine wanting these things. Also, everyone at least that I've seen, is just complaining about the price because everything is exorbitantly expensive mm-hmm. for this tournament. It's one commander event. What could it cost? $350? So I think some of the things are like kind of fine. A lot of the tournament entry fees are like actually kind of fine given the prizes and stuff like that. I don't think they're like that egregious, but the like concept of the convention itself, I think with like the entry fee to the convention is really egregious it's like 60 dollars for a day or like mm-hmm. minimum 180 dollars for the the weekend which is like how much it costs to go to like a comic-con or whatever and this is a convention with eight panels total and then events that you can pay entry fees to you apparently don't get access if you're a commander player like you don't get access to the command zone unless you pay for the 350 dollar entrance fee yeah which like what the command zone having like a a charge has been just like it the worst concept that i can think of you can't just show up to a place where people are playing magic and hang out and play magic and they like intentionally limit extra space to force you to like buy your way into the command zone and it's just this like awful monetization of free casual play that like seems atrocious to me that's well, I like I opened the page 
for the event and i just kind of scrolled through it a little bit and the first like half of the page is all pricing and merchandise and stuff like that like how they make money off of it and it's so weird like I, i'm trying to figure out why i would want to go to this at all i yeah i can't find a reason to the only thing that is at all tempting to me is the modern tournament that can queue you possibly for a beta draft like that's the big draw right but it, you know it is 150 dollars for your entry into a flight of the modern tournament and you know i mean they got to pay for the beta draft somehow but like that's the only thing that like you know gets your blood going a little bit like this could be really cool the other ones are like flashback drafts that have to be priced the seventh edition drafts are like 450 dollars because the chance that you open like a foil of a commander a foil card spell even right it you know that that's that's really expensive but instead you're gonna open like a four mana two two with a four mana activated ability like that's that's what you're gonna get for your four hundred and fifty dollars. So th- those are not tempting to me. Yeah, even the the beta draft isn't tempting to me. Like mm. to be honest, it doesn't sound fun. Which is kind of like, I mean, I know fun isn't the point for a beta draft. It's right, just the beta draft really is just cards. Right, you get to open packs but, of beta, and that's but it. I would just rather them give me packs of beta after the modern tournament and not do this little like draft farce thing. That's why I thought right. the. Uh, the gauntlet thing i don't remember the, the silver showcase that it was yeah, called the one where they like opened the packs and then the cards went to the charities or whatever yeah or yeah whatever however they did it they uh, that, did it I've, really weird i thought that was pretty garbage too because you know this is just not a, a format that people can play with any reasonable sort of like i watched it and it was unwatchable because the games were so bad the draft was mm-hmm. so bad too because there's so many basic lines in a pack yeah <laughs> yes yeah it's not a it's not a draftable format in any stretch of the imagination i never really want to go to las vegas in general but this event has actual nothing for me it's also in las vegas on a halloween weekend oh wow that's so expensive yeah no no thank you no thank you i will be skipping this the like just hyper monetization of magic for the past like five years or so it's exhausting brought me so down yeah like it, it's really hard for me to get excited about anything now. I agree. I I'm I've been banging this drum a lot, but one of the things that really like knocked me on my ass the other day was trying to play a little magic on Moto and then realizing that endurances are a hundred ticks a piece, which you know isn't exactly what you're talking about with the like you know you have to pay to access the command zone in order to play free games of commander with people and they uh, release like, like 30 products that are all right like different just, variants but don't actually reprint cards people need to play the game yes exactly and and then you see that with card prices for the you know they kind of artificially rotate modern by printing cards that are just going to replace what you're allowed to do in the format and then those cards become hyper hyper inflated uh and then they don't really put in thought into availability on cards on magic online so then if you want to try stuff out in legacy you're buying displacer kittens for 120 ticks a piece or something like that and then they're going to be worth nothing when they finally do put them out in reasonable numbers it's just so unfriendly and so thoughtless boo and minsk the planeswalker isn't even Mm -hmm. online and it sees play in legacy (laughs) well that sucks a lot 
Like, it, they just didn't think it would see play, so they didn't make any plans to code it or whatever. Because it's kind of a weird Planeswalker. It's the one with the hamster. You wouldn't think a format of Planeswalker would see play in Legacy, basically, A gruel one at that. <laughs> well, the gruel one does not get hit by a Pyroblast, so yeah, that's a good starting point. But yeah, that card is playable in Legacy, and it just isn't on Magic Online. So I know some of the Legacy players are kind of like, I mean... But we're still playing Legacy, I guess, but there's an asterisk. Yeah, that's really weird. And I haven't seen any communication from any Wizards people like, hey, we were aware of this. We're just going to put in some cards later on in the next update or whatever. It's just complete radio silence. It's always radio silence. I know, but... I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just confirming, like, yeah, that that's their MO, and it's it, really annoying. It's honestly why I've really been enjoying Flesh and Blood, because there's lots of communication. It feels like something's happening all the time. And the game's pretty it's, fun. It's so easy to do it. Yeah, it's like, not hard. When I was really playing Path of Exile really hard, that was oh, a game that, where like... The devs there are fantastic. Yeah, just like every week there would be like a page-long Reddit post from one of the devs or one of the community managers just like, here's what we're working on, here's what we're talking about, here's what's going on. And a lot of it wasn't stuff that was like the most like oh i need to know this but it was all like the background information was all happening you look understood the processes you understood where they were in the process of getting the next patch out and stuff and it's just like why not have somebody whose job it is to communicate stuff and understand what players are asking to be communicated to them like i feel really bad whenever i watch the weekly watsy streams with blake on there sometimes he's with a guest sometimes he's not they're just bad ads they're not information that's useful in any way it, it's they they pay him for it but they don't give him anything to go off of and it's right pretty pitiful those streams are summed, summed up by like probably three tweets with card images and that's the whole stream but it takes like an hour and it, it takes like an hour yeah it's the like the press conference where we are not allowing any questions from reporters it's yeah it's even worse because they allow questions but they won't answer any it's like, is there a sliver in the set? You know, there might be. And just like, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, this was the biggest waste of time I've ever seen. Why is there a Q&A session? Just like, just don't have one. For as dialed in to this game as I am, for as much time as I spend thinking about it and talking about it and playing it, and as much as I love playing it, the fact that I just like have no desire to watch the weekly stream from the creators about the game like this is the thing i spent all of my time on and that stream just means nothing to me i never ever watch it it's just a commercial most weeks yep a commercial for something that you most likely don't care about because there's yeah, so you, many products usually for some supplemental thing like, that doesn't really affect the way i engage in the game honestly even the dominaria united spoilers were all garbage like they spent a good 20 minutes on the fact that legends cards were coming out which mm. my hot take is that that's just garbage too. Like it doesn't matter. No one cares. Like legends aren't important. Collector boosters are such a small percentage of packs opened. Like they're not even in the things most people will open them in. And there's yeah. so many bad cards in legends that it's not worth getting excited about. That, I So I yeah. was kind of thinking that like pff, legends, whatever. And then I opened up the set on Scryfall and like sorted by price. And there's, I mean, obviously there's, there is a lot of junk. But there's a lot of cards that are worth way more than you would ever expect. But, yeah, but I don't like that. It's it's an artifact of the reserve list stuff, right? Which yeah, is, of course. I guess what makes the collector's boosters like super exciting or whatever from one perspective. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't like that a car's desirability is exactly equivalent to what you can exchange it to on the secondary market. Like I can pull up Scryfall for Legends and get like Presence of the Master or whatever. That's the one with Einstein on it. Mm-hmm. That card's unplayable, but it's worth a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited to open it because it's just like some dollar bills that I can convert, you know, but yeah. I have no actual attachment to the card, which is, I think, what they should try to be doing and put them in regular boosters so that like real people will care about it yeah and it, some it, new players they should be in regular yeah. boosters absolutely but their whole goal is to push collectors boosters is the the whole concept here which is dis- you know frustrating and not fun from a player perspective i mean to some extent the excitement and desirability of opening a card is always going to be like heavily determined by the value of the card on a secondary market. Yes, but usually like almost all cards within the last 10 years or so, that price is like heavily correlated to how you can play it. How like, even it if it's is. commander, yeah. like you command cards are expensive because commander because you play them in commander and they're good. Like random rare and legends is expensive because there's just not that many of them. It, yeah, it's just like uh, you open it up and I guess you're excited to open it because it's expensive, but it's really just reminding you like that the reserve list exists. It's not being a cool card on its own in any way. Yeah, the whole we found a warehouse full of Legends boxes so we can put them in packs to me was like, you know, I'd rather you just like tried harder than <laughs> doing anything else. <laughs> I do find it hard to get excited about this because... How, how many collector's boosters of Dominary United am I going to open? Probably not a thing I'm really going to do. I don't I don't like the presentation of, look at this cool thing we're doing for only the most expensive booster packs, and they're not really... It's it's like a lottery, a hyper lottery ticket now. The thing yeah. we already do, but amped up. I mean, my whole problem with collector's boosters is that there exists stuff in collector's boosters that you can't get anywhere else. And I would be fine with collector's boosters existing if they're just like, this is a premium pack that's more likely to contain the good stuff. But any type of pack that you get should have some chance of having whatever they're putting out, whatever special treatments of cards. Like, you should be able to get them because that just makes opening packs exciting, makes drafting exciting if you can get something cool out of it. So the worst part about collector boosters is that they're just filled with a bunch of garbage. Uh, even when Gavin Verhey opens up collector boosters on his like videos and stuff, goes str- just discards the foil commons, just just throws them away. Basically, doesn't even spend yeah. any time on them because they're not important. And if that's the case from someone who like l- literally loves the company in the game, like why are they in the packs? Yeah, why? It is really weird that that's still part of it. It's like here's all these foil commons. <laughs> We're just going to keep all of this in. This is just the cold open. It's like this half an hour is, I mean, long. This is going to be a solid cold open. Like, well, we'll I'll keep a fair bit of it is my plan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 255 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. How's your apartment restoration going? The apartment restoration is going terribly. That's why we didn't have an episode last week. (laughs) Uh, I got a text at work from my roommate, Kenny. The text said, house is flooding. 
And right. I said, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is not allowed to be happening. <laughs> so then I had to drive home and try to figure everything out. The neighbors were not home. Uh, the, the and it was flooding through their apartment. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they weren't home. So I had to like go to the office, the property manager and stuff and like find everyone and call. We, we actually shut it off pretty early relative to when we noticed it was happening. But as a consequence, uh, my house has no flooring, no, some of the walls are missing. Uh, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you been need a, those. it's just been a week. I, don't, I can't cook in my kitchen. So that's sort of deal. Awful. I'm so sorry. So that was no, no, that was Tuesday and we usually record on Tuesdays. So we just couldn't just really swing that. Not happening. Yeah. So now at least it's quieter. Like there were a million fans from until Friday, just on it all the time to just like trying to dry, to dry everything the place up. out. Yeah. But now those of the fans are gone. So I can actually hear myself and you can hear me too. And we can record a podcast. Ideal for a podcast to be able to hear yeah. everybody on it. I mean, but as a consequence of all of this nonsense happening, my attention has been very low towards any current events or magic stuff. Well, did you know that I won an RCQ on Sunday? Oh, did you know mm. that I was right there watching I you? I didn't know it? that. I yeah. saw you. <laughs> Granted, from your <laughs> opponent's perspective, so it could be argued that I was cheering for him. But, but mostly because there wasn't any room on your side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Actually, in some ways, I do. I don't mind people watching my match. I kind of don't love people looking at my hand and watching my match all the time. Somehow it gets into my head a little bit. And like sometimes I don't mind it because then I can like talk through plays that I'm not sure about. And then if they have all the context of my hand, then I don't need to be like, okay, I had this, 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 you know, I can just like walk back and be like, would you do that? And and that, that is nice. But sometimes I just need to like focus on the match itself and just like remove everything. And if I know somebody's looking at my hand and I can like feel it and I, I know I'm about to do something unintuitive that like, I'm gonna have to explain why I'm doing it later in a conversation, then that's like, extra things that are like going on in my brain that I just don't need. I just need to play magic. So I'm, I'm fine with there not being any room on my side of the table. That's funny. I never really considered anything about that because <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think about that stuff. So I have to, and this is one, one thing that I want to talk about for a couple of reasons, but I have to think about how my brain works in order to be successful at anything involving making my brain work. And I need to hack my way through like getting my brain to do the things that it's supposed to do. You know, when I'm playing a magic tournament, like I, I took my my ADHD medication. This is all because of ADHD. Uh, yeah. that, that is why I have to figure things out in different ways. Like I take my ADHD medication at a different time when I have a magic tournament that day because I need it to be effective for as long as possible during the magic tournament or things will bad things will happen bad things did happen in this tournament my semi-final match i played uh the worst magic that i have ever played and not not even because i like misevaluated the game state or just like took questionable lines i literally just forgot to force of negation a lethal summoners pact that i had planned to force of negation for the win i just like let it happen because in my brain i was like yes, I know that that summoner's pact is being cast. I have a plan for it. And so I was just like, okay. And then my opponent picked up his deck and I was like, that's not what was supposed to happen here. <laughs> no, wait, hold on. It was supposed to not happen. 
very yeah, explicitly. So, yes. And so I, I died to a force of, or I died to a summoner's pact when I had force of negation shardless agent in my hand. Like that is crazy. And it's hard. There, there's really no explanation except for that. I just like completely lost my focus at that moment. And I need to figure out better ways than what I have done in order to keep my focus going. Punted on timing of a, a violent outburst in another game. Though I did manage to take it down because I was bailed out to win by hard casting striped riverwinder into striped riverwinder of all things as my opponent top deck amulet amulet after amulet. amulet yeah I remember that I think three amulets in a row it was uh, yeah it was because yeah he played the one and it was like okay well now a titan off the top is going to kill me immediately. And then you played another one, and I was like, I think we might get this game. And then you played another one, and it was like, all right, all right, all right, we're going to get there with these seven <laughs> mana five fives. That's the Hexproof one, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then a Foundation Breaker to kill his Construct Blocker to deal lethal one turn earlier. It was quite a string of draws. After messing up the Cascade spell. I would have been pretty salty if I were my opponent, but uh, Sausage Assassins was a, a true gentleman and just a friendly dude. So, Nice. What else do you need to do to trick your brain? Because you interrupted yourself with that story. Yeah, because my brain got tricked by having yeah. a story to tell. Well, that's so, why I'm here to remember stuff. You know, I have to take my medication at the right time. I, I think actually I, at the beginning of the tournament, I didn't really feel like playing. I was, you know, a little down on modern in general. I was a little tired from the tournament before. I found myself like unexcited to play magic that day. And, you know, I was kind of joking about it. And uh, Philip was joking about it too. And he was like, you just got to kind of detach yourself and like puppeteer your body into playing magic and just don't worry about the results of any match. And I kind of did that. I kind of just like left my emotional attachment to the result of any match at the door and that actually seemed to help a lot so and, and you know i'm not generally like oh man i gotta win this match this is really important my mental state it depends on me winning this match like that's not how i approach tournaments but i i think i did kind of manage to take it to another level this tournament where it was just like i'm playing magic you know if things don't go my way it's fine if i mess up i will regroup i'm just gonna play cards against my opponents and try to come out on top. I don't know. It did feel a little different, like from round one on just like that approach that day. And so that might be a little bit of a mental hack that helps. Uh, I, I need to be very careful with how I regulate like my food eating during a tournament. I can't don't want to get too hungry, but I also don't want to eat too much because I know that after a, like a full meal, my brain slows down a little bit and I don't like to let that happen there's some weird like biochemistry thing that goes on when i'm like satiated and it's just you know this is one of the things that i need to overcome to play good magic and i need to like kind of keep track of them and and manage i have the same sort of deal with food like i don't mm -hmm. i don't eat during tournaments unless it's something light like a snack mm -hmm. whenever stores have like pizza brought in to like sell to people at kind of cheap just so they can you know get some more money in mm -hmm. uh, i never eat any of that pizza just because <laughs> i the pizza's heavy it's greasy yeah <laughs> like i don't want to do that in the middle of a tournament yeah i don't mind having something a little heavy i just like need to not eat too much of it basically there's something about like being full that like 
dulls any sort of prey drive or something like that <laughs> my Killer instinct yeah it, it i i i think it really does for me like if i feel like safe and full then my body's just like you're fine you don't need this but you stay a little bit hungry then you know you can convince your body that it's time to go hunting just be a little more alert yeah, yeah. I, and and for me like that's a big difference maker uh Keep, keep track of, like, a couple more things in the game state. Like, focus a little harder on your plan. And and that, you know, that like, that's one of the reasons why I stick with a single deck for so long. Because my available focus is limited. And so, as if I don't have to think about the way that my lands work in the first couple of turns. Because I just have done it so many times. If I don't have to think about, like do I cycle this main phase? Do I cycle it end step? Well, I've seen this group of seven cards before. I just kind of know what to do with it. Uh, and only when something is kind of different then that triggers something in my head. And I'm like, okay, we got to start approaching things differently from here. But if I have the basics kind of built in and that's, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I stick with decks for so long because it, I, I, my like success with a deck is like this logarithmic graph as I get experience with it and just feel comfortable drawing the opening hands and taking mulligans and playing the cards out. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, everyone's got their own little quirks they have to navigate as they know how they work. Yeah, I, I have the same deal. Much different, not not your stuff, but right, right. <laughs> but all of our brains like work weird in different ways, and that kind of identifying your own needs as a magic player is is an important part of success i think mm -hmm. i one of, one of the worst things about sunday for me i didn't get to play because of aforementioned yeah. house stuff but i didn't get to see philip there i got there at like the end of round four and philip was just gone i guess yeah. he had lost out or something but yeah. i didn't get to see philip i he'd like left the previous day to go to a wedding and i was like man i'll just never see philip for a day I know, and and Philip not being there for you know me winning an RCQ felt kind of sad because uh, you know we've just been playing a lot of Magic together lately and cheering each other on, and it would have been nice to have him there. But hopefully, hopefully I will come hang out at whatever tournament he ends up winning, but only if it's very local because I'm not traveling to go hang out at an There's, RCQ. There are no more very local ones. Those are the last ones. There's there's one more in Raleigh. Oh sure, okay. That's not what I plan on attending, but I am gonna go to the one in Goldsboro mm -hmm. this weekend, uh, just because I want to play the the breach deck that Alan has been playing. Just because yeah. I've watched him enough mm -hmm. that I want to try my hand at it. I, <laughs> like this is just. I mean, I've played the deck before. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but. I do the cycle thing with decks where I play one for a bit and then I get bored of it and then I have to try something else. And that's mm -hmm. just kind of where I'm at now. I just need to try something else. This is like irrespective of success. I just get bored with stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I want to play Breach. And so I'm going to go to Goldsboro with Alan, borrow his Ledger Shredders, and play some Breach. <laughs> no, that'll be fun. I hope mm -hmm. you take it down. We'll see. I mean, I don't plan on 
there's a lot of stuff going on right now in my life, so I don't plan yeah, on getting yeah. to do a lot of practice, but Yeah, but that's one of those decks that you can just kinda like spike your way through a tournament with. Yeah, I mean also I've played it before I know how the deck works. Like I'm pretty comfortable on it. Like you're if you're one of your things is that you need to have reps and practice with a deck, that is not something that is as big a deal for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're not going to go super hard into any particular strategy stuff or like my card choices for the, the list that I played this weekend. Uh, if you do want any of that stuff, I did record an episode of the dive down. I'll be posting that in our podcast feed. So Mm -hmm. that should be easy for people to listen to if you don't already listen to the dive down, but that's where all of my like serious magic player thoughts on living end uh, went this week and for this one we're just gonna hang out and talk a little bit about the tournament and tournaments in general and some other stuff that's going on so i mean so what do you want to tackle first now that we've established this is a you know the non-serious part. this is the victory lap podcast yeah well let's do the victory lap part first so, so you won yeah i won it felt really good i get in these like place I, a lot of my friends are really good at magic and we start going to RC. This is the same as PPTQ seasons were in the past. We start going to tournaments. Uh, we start going to RCQs. And then I start seeing my friends qualify. And I keep, like, missing by a little bit. And it's like, huh, I wonder if I got what it takes to do this. Am I, like, missing something? Am I just coming up short because I'm screwing up somehow? And, I mean, maybe. But, and maybe spiking one doesn't prove that I'm, like, not messing up in some fundamental way. But... Taking one down does feel pretty good. It makes you feel like, okay, I'm at least like close to where I need to be, at least for this level of play. Felt good to take one down. Felt good to do it with a bunch of friends there. That was really nice. Yeah, you had a crowd. There were this was like nine o'clock on a Sunday. I know, and nobody was leaving because <laughs> well, multiple people had come together and so Yeah, but like we could have left you at any time. You could have left but me at any time. We didn't because we wanted to see you win. And I appreciate that. And also, Kenny could not leave, so you could not leave either. Uh, yeah, you, you, you're you going to have to explain that one for the pod. So, Kenny, Lee's roommate, our good friend, we discovered a thing, which is, if he sits down and starts watching me, I start, I'm, I, I'm always winning when Kenny is watching me. If he walks away, you know, usually, I, I walk away when I see that, like, a game is my friend has a game locked up. I don't need to see them. I, like, if you're breaching somebody, I don't need to see you, like, breach all the way through your deck. I'm just like, yeah, I know that that's the end of it. He would get up when it was like, yes, of course, CCR's got the game in hand. And then, like, five minutes later, I'd walk away and be like, no, it's just everything went wrong. I, I'm dead. And that happened, like, three times on Saturday. Like, all three matches that I lost on Saturday, he would, like, sit down, start watching, uh, and then get up and walk away. And i come back and be like, Oh, sorry, I lost that one. I don't really know what happened, honestly. So the rule now is that Kenny doesn't have to watch my match, but if he does sit down and start watching, then he's not allowed to leave until the match is over because I just can't deal with that amount of bad juju. Yeah, he had to go to the bathroom during the finals. He <laughs> and had he to stop himself. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Kenny. He stood. I don't know if you caught that, but he stood up like in between <laughs> games one and two. And it sat right back down. And I looked at him. Because <laughs> I'm across the table from him on your opponent's side. 
And he's like, I, I can't leave. <laughs> and then I it's said, a, Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a that's a true friend right there. That's you can't ask for anything more than that. And honestly, you can't really ask for that. So I I would not have. That that was entirely voluntary. I mean it clearly makes the difference if the semifinals match where you screwed up in two of three games. Mm-hmm. Screwed <laughs> and, up pretty bad, yeah. yeah. If, if that proves anything, it's a he's got some sort of mystical effect. Yeah, there, there's definitely something going on there. Tournament itself, Living End was a very good choice for the local metagame, in particular my hyper-localized metagame of the six Swiss matches that I played and the three top eight matches that I played. Uh, I didn't play against a single deck with Solitudes in it, which is a, a recipe for success when you're playing Living End. There were also very few Teferis in the decks that I was playing against. Uh, in the Swiss, I played against Hammer twice, Murktide once, I played against Breach once, Enchantress, and I played against that mono-black Invoke Despair list. Really? I did not see that. That was from very early in the day. Yeah, that was that was round three when I was one and one, I believe, which is, you know probably about where you expect to play against the uh, Cabal Coffers deck. I mean, my opponent knew what he was doing with the deck, but it's really, really tough for a deck like that to beat a deck with Force of Negation in it. So overall, those pairings are... You can't ask for better pairings than those over six rounds of Swiss. Lots of Urza Sagas, lots of decks that bringing in Force of Vigor like breaks the sideboard to games wide open. And because you're playing Living End, you're favored in all of those game ones anyways. So I got very lucky in my pairings. And then in the top eight, I played against Amulet into Amulet into Murktide and kind of can't ask for better than that. Murktide is favorable for a Living End. It can be pretty close, especially when your opponent is good. And my finals opponent was very good, but I just drew two griefs in one game and drew Violent Outburst and two Force of Negations in the other game and uh, lost the one where he started on Raghavan. I could only put together Force of Negations with Shardless Agent, which doesn't work against Murktide. Mm-hmm. But, you know, got a little bit lucky, and except for in that amulet match, was pretty happy with my play on the day. <laughs> so put put those things together, and, you know, that's that's the story of a, of, of a tournament win. Yeah, I mean... He- you have to get lucky to win a tournament. That's just right. the rule. Like <laughs> it's just gonna happen. Like yeah. you can play very well and have a good deck choice and all that stuff, but you you literally do have to have some sort of luck on your side. Yeah. And I'm happy with, you know, if I have to choose a place to assign my luck points, uh putting them into getting good matchups the whole tournament long, you know, that's that's the place where I would like to get the luckiest, really. Uh, because I think that just if I show up to a tournament knowing I'm not going to play against Teferi Solitude decks and just going to play against like creature decks and Urza Saga decks all day, then I just feel really, really comfortable in my deck choice. And, uh, you know, things mostly played out the way you you draw them up in those matchups. And that's a tournament that showing up with Living End to is, you know, it pays off. Not that I, you know, spent a lot of time thinking really hard about my deck choice and like what to do, because I, I do kind of lock into a deck that I feel comfortable with for a season. And unless something goes terribly wrong, I, I do just kind of stick to it because I think that that gives me the best equity. But fortunately, a weekend came around where 
both I was going to play the deck well and the deck was well positioned. So uh, things worked out. Yeah. I only got to play one of the RCQs, uh, the one on Saturday, and I was just demolished. Basically, I played Glimpse. <laughs> uh, I had really close round one against Four Color, ended up losing that. And then I just got smashed by like Boggles and Hammer just like killing me on turns before I could cascade <laughs> essentially. And I was, yeah, that Good was done. God. Like that was it. <laughs> Getting killed by hammer before you cascade is just like the price of doing business in modern that that's going to happen. Sometimes uh, the boggles thing is not, not one we expect that much anymore. No, see, it was a light pause enabled uh, kill. So it was like turn two light pause into turn three, triple aura. You're dead. Basically that's mm -hmm. 20 damage. Uh, and, and each of the games that happened, I had a Fury in my hand, but no red card. Oh, <laughs> my just God. Like, I'm praying for the red card to just come off the top because you only have one turn. A naked light pause with no mana up on the other side yes, and you just, just can't put together your removal spell. Yeah, and I died with Fury in my hand both games. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's that's that was the day. <laughs> and then I spent most of the that tournament watching people uh, after mm -hmm. like round five or so yeah that tournament did not go super well for me either i just you know i lost a couple of the matchups that i would prefer to, uh, obviously you prefer to win <laughs> every match of magic that you play i i lost a couple of matchups that are pretty good for me but uh probably wasn't i don't think i was playing as well as i did on sunday and also just didn't quite have the doors opened for me the way that they do when you have one of those tournaments where everything kind of works out so played against some really good players over the course of the tournament my finals opponent uh was excellent uh, i played against a few local people uh our friend quinn who is a very experienced amulet pilot and honestly like kind of learned a lot about how current amulet plays against living end in my top eight matches like i've played against amulet plenty but just got to see a lot of like the things that they were trying to do and a lot of endurance is getting run into subtleties and things like that just the way that they kind of have to mulligan into hate because their proactive plan loses to the thing that your deck is trying to do like amulet mulligans really well if it's mulliganing into trying to kill you with an amulet draw but if it's trying to mulligan into things that stop you from living ending them it can't has a really hard time of putting that together with also a thing that threatens you mm -hmm. and so my uh, amulet opponents mulliganed a lot trying to put that together and i think that's a thing that just happens in the matchup because it's so tough to put together all of the stuff you need to beat living end with that deck uh unlicensed hearse looked really good the mm -hmm. one game I saw it in play against you. <laughs> yes. If you saw it in play on Quinn's side, that yeah. was a game that he uh, went uh, unlicensed Hearst Relic Relic. So there was a lot going on in that game that made it tough to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that one would have been tough to win. But Hearst is definitely good, but you obviously have that card in mind in your sideboarding and, and your game plans. Yeah, I mean, of course, you're not you're playing Living End. You're not like, all right, everyone's going to just get run over. Roll and over and die. <laughs> They're just going to yeah. play their creatures, and I'm going to kill them all. Every you single game. You only get one game one each match, and then <laughs> and then you got to work. 
then the the, the real test begins yeah i know that feeling <laughs> anything else you wanted to touch on tournament wise life wise just generic wise it doesn't have to be gameplay related well i definitely you know i wanted to hit on my like you know one of one of the things about my playing really really badly in my semifinals match was that i i got bailed out but i think that on some other days you know maybe an older ver- uh, a previous version of ccr would have allowed that to really affect him when i play bad magic there was a point in my life where like playing bad magic would affect me really deeply when i realized that like i really screwed up a match i would take it personally and i would feel like it really reflected poorly on me as like an intelligent person and my identity as a magic player and stuff like that but i have really reduced my like reliance on being good at magic as part of my id and ego or something like that (laughs) and playing really badly in that match I just didn't feel like it was a reflection on me in any way. Like, yeah, I screwed up. I like played this game badly. And it's a thing that happens sometimes. Not only are we not going to play every game perfectly, but sometimes you're just going to be garbage for a minute. And I was able to kind of build back and recover and play the finals pretty well. And I'm not sure that I like mentally would have been able to do that in the past that's the thing I'm most proud of myself in this tournament for is like recovering from the train wreck of one match and just being like, okay, it's fine. It's just, it just doesn't matter anymore. Like that match is over. We can move on to the next one. Um, yeah. I think you saw me do that in real time at the invitational when I just left myself down on board of a man land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just yes. played the next game. <laughs> yep. Yep. And you had to do it even quicker. Like you didn't have time to take it. Yeah. It was just like, we're the top, the clock's still running. We got to play. Yeah just gonna go to the next one now (laughs) yep yeah it's hard like there's there's definitely old previous iterations of myself like in the past i you know would not have been able to recover from that sort of thing and something about growing up and maybe it's just having played enough matches and having like just ko'd yourself enough times that you you're okay with it at some point i think it's mostly you just have other stuff going on in your life because uh, mm-hmm. one thing when someone gets really, I don't want to say upset, but like really invested in a negative way uh, towards me, usually, uh, I'll just remind myself that I can't like take it too personally against them. Like maybe they haven't grown enough to like realize that there's more outside mm-hmm. of this. Because I'm like of, you know, I'm one of the older Magic players now. I'm not like, like a kid anymore. Right. So... There's still a lot of younger magic players than me who are really invested and can, it can be hazardous if they get too deep into it without like Mm -hmm. a lifeline. So I just, I don't try to take any of that stuff super seriously when it's being directed towards me. Right. Can be tough because it is a human being sitting across the table from you and in an ideal world, we would all be just very chill towards each other and that doesn't always happen. It doesn't then. always happen. <laughs> uh, I will, in that vein, while we're still on that topic, I will, if you're ever in that situation, you just don't have to say anything. Like if your opponent's asking you questions, you just don't have to say anything. You can do mm-hmm. that all the time. Like you, you're not, uh, you're not owed to, to respond to them. Like you can, you can just stop and walk yeah. away. Which is also my advice for if the police are ever asking you questions. 
Yes. <laughs> also good advice. And you don't have to talk to your opponent who is being salty at you after the match. Same, yep. same thing, really. And I will frequently just let them rant or do whatever. Just roll up your playmat. Sometimes they'll ask questions and be like, do you think? And then whatever they want me to say usually follows that. And I won't respond to it. I'll just roll up my stuff. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I just don't have time to be polite to bad actors. <laughs> right. If, if if they're not going to use the information, if they're not legitimately asking for information that they can act upon in a like helpful way in the future. Obviously, if somebody's, you know, if somebody's asking me questions about like, how I approach the matchup or anything that's actually interesting to talk about, then that's that's not what we're talking about here. I know you want to talk about talk a little bit about like magic tournament organization and implementation. There are a few things because I there were, I went to two RCQs, even though I didn't play in the Sunday one, it was like five minutes from my house or something. So mm-hmm. I just drove past when I was done with my home stuff and watched the tournament at the end of the tournament. I saw CCR one. It was great. But I was able to go to both of them because it was so close and there was a stark difference between how the two tournaments were run uh and it reminded me a lot of one of the twitter dramas that happened like a week or two ago where a known magic online grinder was caught cheating uh, in a brazilian rcq well was caught cheating after the brazilian rcq yeah, after the brazilian rcq but was cheating at the event yeah uh, <laughs> And basically misrepresenting what the card Deflecting Palm does. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a bunch of follow-up from it. But basically, the takeaway, one of the takeaways was that the judging staff didn't really have effective ways to, like the judging staff wasn't experienced, couldn't countermand that, didn't have a good way of dealing with it when it was happening. And it just, he just kind of got away with it, basically, until mm-hmm. it came out. Yeah, not only missed the judge call, but then also missed the fact that like the only way we could have ended up in this state was by him cheating and like misrepresenting what the card did. Yeah. Uh, the one on Sunday was run a little rough. The judging staff was not super experienced. Uh, and it's really, really important. We, we live in a, like a tri-city area. We have a lot of good people around that can be magic judges. Uh, and there are a lot of good ones in the area. There are many, many, many areas that are just not that fortunate. Mm-hmm. And we still have bad events. So I can only imagine what like events in other countries are like, or yeah. even smaller towns. Uh, I made an offhand comment that I thought I could have run the tournament better than the judge did on Sunday. And I, that was a stupid thing to say, because I really don't think I could have. <laughs> but I, I knew the rules, some of the rules better than this person. That's really all it came down to but i don't know how uh wizards event reporter works like that that shit's inscrutable <laughs> yeah it is a this is a really weird spot because i think that successfully and cleanly running a magic tournament the combination of keeping it organized keeping it on pace getting everything done in time and and like getting the tournament to run smoothly add that to having the rules knowledge and understanding the like penalty guidelines and stuff like that, that combination of skills, that's, that's a specific set of skills that is like a high level of requirement. Like that is a, a, 
a person who can do all of those things, like that's a professional requirement to put on a person to be able to do all of those things and communicate effectively with players and be able to just handle running this thing. And the money isn't there and the like organization isn't there and the like requirements from the top aren't there to like provide for making this thing happen in the way that it should in order to like guarantee that somebody well-trained and competent and invested is there in order to do it um when when there is a judge there who is good at it and running it like it shows and the tournament goes great and you are happy to be there and when they're not, it goes harder. I, I will say that the Sunday tournament, for the most part, did run smoothly. You just like showed up, and then <laughs> and the like crawl, yeah. the weird <laughs> stuff happened and kind of com- compounded. The first several rounds were really smooth and, See, and went well. When I walked in, I talked to Jay, and because I lent him a deck, and he was just getting back to me. Also, it was great. He said, "You know, it's one thing about this tournament. It is running so smooth. It is mm-hmm. four sixteen right now. We started this tournament at noon." Yeah. And we're just about to start round five. Yeah. Yeah. And it, w- it was going great. And then just some weird stuff, some judge calls that were a little odd. And then at one point we handed out promos right before the last round of Swiss, despite the fact that the promos were being handed out to the first 32 people who signed up for the tournament, which clearly that was some sort of like miscommunication of how they were doing it and then they realized like oh no we have to hand out the promos but they did it in a way that was uh just a a straight up delay to the tournament happening yeah and it, it's also a lava spike promo like come on no one no I one just cares. like could you could i don't throw them away and everyone would forget about them yes i've made my stance on the lava spike promo very clear uh even i i will say i think that there should be more than one I know it's this is a more ideal world kind of deal, uh, but I think that's a lot to ask of one judge to do all that stuff. I really mm-hmm. wish they would have like two people doing it because yeah. even on the Saturday one, which had a great judge that I like, they had a rules question that was actually pretty simple. Uh, it evolved it revolved around season pyromancer. Uh, you know, if my opponent has no cards in hand and plays season pyromancer, do you still draw cards? The answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and that's what the judge said. It's like a main thing about season. And then he walked away because he had other, like 10 other things to do. I don't blame mm-hmm. him for that. But ideally, I would like the judge to explain why rulings are the way they are. So that mm-hmm. doesn't like come up again. So it's like more clear. And I know that's what judges would like to do in an ideal world. But sometimes you just have other stuff going on. You don't have time to do all that. Yep. Yeah. Like I know that in a really heated judge call on a Sunday... Uh, we actually had multiple spectators pulling up the relevant parts of the comp rules to like help out the judge mm-hmm. because he was a little overwhelmed. Yeah, and that one was a you know a little bit of a niche ruling. Uh, it had to do with timing. It's it's just timing. Yeah, stuff. it was just a timing thing and a who gets priority after uh, a triggered ability puts a spell on the stack. But it also you ideally have a judge who when you get asked a question like. If they don't know the answer, they know where to look for the answer. And without, I don't know, it, it it's just a lot of requirements to put onto a person. And I don't think that the like the management and the training and the 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 requirements are clear enough. And and obviously, like Watsi has said, like yeah, you can run RCQs without a judge, which is a frightening proposition, honestly. 
it's it's definitely not a good one yeah uh, because many aspects of tournaments i've been to without judges are truly terrible <laughs> mm-hmm. like e- even if the best case scenario is that you have a, someone who's really experienced just playing in the tournament and they just get up and just help you out right but that's some fnm shit right there. yeah like, that is fnm shit right there <laughs> but you know at the end of the day stuff usually gets figured out you know magic gets played usually like the the carlos alexander situation was like that's the exception but boy the fact that that can happen like what a just what a dagger to the other players in that tournament that and what a just unfortunate situation that's why i got a lot of attention because it is the like that's the worst case scenario for not having a qualified judging staff at your rcq is somebody just takes advantage of the situation and then robs the other players in the tournament and uh it's pretty i I don't know from a up the perspective of a magic player who likes playing in magic tournaments and wants the the cards and the plays to determine who qualifies and it's just like kind of heartbreaking to see something like that happen and i i don't know it's frustrating to watch i i hope the rules around the second season of rcqs are a little better in this regard i don't Mm -hmm. know if they're out or not i know promos were announced but i again (laughs) hard to keep up with all this stuff that wizards puts out because they don't Mm -hmm. put it out in a clean and organized way (laughs) right but i hope that they take a little bit of steps to make it better if not just like i mean the the promos themselves do not help me (laughs) realize that because we're going from (laughs) nykthos to the top eight promo to like selfless period or something yeah that's that's a wild one Right, like, and I mean, this was part of my, the equity in the tournament is uh, your top eight, you get a Nykthos promo winning the tournament, which I didn't even know, but I got a foil version of the Nykthos promo. It is, whoo, baby, you could just like make a boat out of this thing. This is, this is curved to, to hell and back, but it's there. It's neat. It's apparently valuable. I don't think that the selfless spirit will have that sort of value. So kind of a backward step. Yeah, it's the whole the whole promo thing is so easy to do correctly because mm-hmm. it's it doesn't it costs you so little if you're Watsy. Mm-hmm. Just pick <sighs> one that people want. You're literally throwing legends cards into boosters and you can't get promos right. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know if I have more to say on tournaments. I know we didn't make show notes. We're just kind of being casual. Yeah. And we spent a long time at the, I don't know how much of the cold open you'll actually use. (laughs) Probably a a bunch of it at this point. But I am, I think I'm out of complaints for today. Sure. That's fair. What do we, what do you have that's not complaining to talk about? That's not complaining. I don't know. I'm looking forward to playing modern this next one, just because I'm ready to play some breach again for, for a very long time. Do you want to talk a little bit about this breach deck and like because uh this is like the white version right i mean the just guy version it's just guy air quotes and that you're right. playing some white sideboard cards like you always have been like okay. previously it was like wear and tear maybe teferi mm-hmm. and now it's just prismatic, prismatic ending, ending and teferi, and teferi. okay fair <laughs> it's enough. Just like it's the same it's the same thing the only different thing about it from the one i played was ledger shredder yeah uh, because ledger shredder didn't exist when i played the deck last 
So that's a, actually a huge change and makes your <laughs> one of the, among other things, the burn matchup, just like incredibly straightforward. <laughs> just you get just, a ledger shredder. And just play. literally play ledger shredder on turn two and they cannot get through it. <laughs> it's so big. It's so large because that deck always has a zero drop to just yeah. jam. Yeah, it's it's never dying to a searing blaze. You you're you're okay. You're fine. Yeah, you're always trading for a creature and something else. No, but I'll 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 play that. I mean, maybe we can talk about it more next week when hopefully mm-hmm. uh Alan just wins the event with it. Not even me. I'm I'm not even that greedy. Just have Alan <laughs> win. Well, I hope one of you wins, because you know, I want to get the as big a crew as possible for the Atlanta road trip in November. Yeah. I mean I would have to win to go to Atlanta. That's gonna be a requirement for me. I I no longer have to hem and haw about will I go if I'm not qualified? Because I just, you know, now I get to go. Although that now I can't focus on you know the the upside of going to Atlanta without being qualified would be like knowing, okay, I am going because I want to figure out like a way to pull some content and interviews and photographs and like the experience out of it and uh try to do something cool and put something together out of it going as i have on every other magic trip to play in a magic tournament means that your focus is on the tournament you're spending most of your time playing and i don't know how much time i'll get to actually kind of like absorb the experience of magic the gathering at DreamHack and and come back with like a report about that and maybe put something together for the people to see so well you know we'll see how much time that i have while, while going but you know i'll at least bring my camera i'll at least bring a microphone and try to talk to some people and get a bring back a picture of the event so you know one of the bummers is the format for the rc split or is it just pioneer believe it is just pioneer okay but don't quote me on that or put me saying that on a podcast so after you said that on the podcast Mm -hmm. uh that's actually like a pretty big downside for me i Mm -hmm. i find pioneer just so boring right now see i am so over playing modern and i'm just so pumped that this is a pioneer tournament see i don't even think modern is that great it just has some stuff i like doing that's good enough for me Mm-hmm. Pioneer doesn't have any of that. Like I don't want to do anything in Pioneer. They ban all know. the cards they want to play are banned. <laughs> it it is a shame. It would if they could just unban Kethis at least. Yeah, let, I'll play a bad Kethis deck fun. and have fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, all you can all you can do is play Lotus Field and get run over by the faster creature decks. So yeah, just gonna have a great time with that. <laughs> no, I'll probably just play Monogreen or something if I have to, but like that's a, There's, if I have to. Like I, I would like to want to. <laughs> like, I don't think Lotus Field is a like bad deck per se. Like if I saw someone playing it at a tournament, I wouldn't be like, they've ruined all their chances of winning this entire thing. The the part about it is that it's pretty fun. I enjoy playing Lotus Field, but when you play against like mono blue spirits or whatever, and you just feel like you have exactly zero chance of winning ever, even if they don't draw well, it's mm-hmm. just so demoralizing. Yeah. Yep. Also, the burn deck has idle on the. I'm not worried about the burn deck mostly because it's not not played very much. Like yes, it's not great, but I don't think the burn deck's played very much from last I checked in. It rises and falls like, I, and I think it is on the rise now. But hmm. 
yeah. Uh, there's also like humans is on the rise and those decks have a lot of Thalias and also uh, extraction specialists to bring back the Thalia after it gets killed. So I love that, by the way. Yeah, it's it's kind of fucked up, honestly. I, I literally watched Kenny do that in modern on Saturday, just like. All right, extraction specialist bring back Thalia, or uh, the best was extraction specialist bring back Burton Forge Tender, who had been yes. sacrificed to like counter a fury. <laughs> yes, extraction specialist bringing back creatures that don't have to fight is like so gnarly. Like the the humans that can pioneer, the fact that you can get back Thalia, Thalia's lieutenant, or Luminarch Aspirant with it, which are all like must kill twos. Yeah. It, it's really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. I. I really like that card, Extraction Special. It has Lifelink too, which is an extremely strong keyword ability. Yes, especially on a three power creature that often gets a plus one plus one counter. Like, oh yeah, not raceable. It's good clean living yeah. and unliving because it like zombifies things. I don't really know how the flavor works out. I, I think it's that it rescues it. It's treating whatever creature was in your graveyard as like only mostly dead, and then it just like Princess Brides it back. Oh, so if it's white, it's a rescue, but if it's black, it's the necromancy. It's necromancy, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So the the two B three two lifelink version of this card is just like necromancer specialist. <laughs> yes, I I always think of this like early magic novel or maybe it was from like a short i think it was like a short story collection or something like that and there was like a hedge mage teaching like a young wizard about magic but the hedge mage like didn't understand about like colors of magic and they like knew red magic and so they were like trying to teach the young mage how to like light a fire and the young mage like couldn't get it but then eventually like made this big ball of light that like blew up everything around them basically. And it was just like, Oh, they're, they're a white mage. They're using white magic and they're trying to leverage white magic to light this fire. And it's doing, they, they can only do it in a very different flavored way from just like lighting a fire. This was from the dark novel. Was it from the dark? Okay. I don't, I don't, it's been 20 (laughs) years. That's just, you know, a shout out to anyone who knows that reference. But I actually do know it, so I'm okay, going to tell it. Good job. Everyone. Very impressive, honestly. I also read that book a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> that was, it was the dark, so that was before they knew magic had colors. Okay. Because the dark was right before the Ice Age, right after Urza blew everything up. So it was not a good time. No, it sounds terrible. It was a bad time. Bad set, too. Well... <laughs> I think people enjoyed it at the time. Yeah, probably. <laughs> everybody everybody loved any magic that they were getting at the time. I guess until Homelands came around and then people actually got mad about that one. Yeah, people just would rather have Fallen Empires instead. <laughs> Fallen Empires had alt arts. It introduced that concept like real early to TCGs. Yeah, Fallen, Fallen Empires is not that bad. Yeah, there's some cool stuff in there. And it had uh, Homerids. Oh, yeah. And Thralls. Yes, it did. Man, mm-hmm. so many hits. Well, I'm not sure that homerids count, but thralls. I mean, have, there was have one in Dominaria. There weren't any slivers in Dominaria. That's a win for the homerids. Well, I mean the set Dominaria. <laughs> when you when you put slivers into a set, you're committing to a concept. That's a big. There's a big cost to putting slivers into your set. Look, all I'm saying is that uh, that 
four mana homerid and domineering are proved that homerids are just more popular than slivers mm -hmm. that's what it proved yeah forever and ever everybody's gonna talk about their you know when when you are at a party and you mention that you play magic and then somebody is like yeah i i had a magic deck mine was mono blue homerids i had this really powerful homerid deck that's what the, the, they'll all bring up yeah that, exactly mm -hmm. i'm glad you agree <laughs> Yeah, that's how it works. Have have had that conversation about homerids many times. Just two times, but it's you know it's nice that it happened. It's weird twice. that it happened twice. <laughs> We're off the rails now. Oh yeah, but that's this whole episode was gonna be unhinged, unchained. Yeah, unfinity, unfinity. God, I'm gonna buy some space lands. I'm not gonna be able to control myself. So I really liked the the basics. The planetary ones were mm -hmm. so cool until the dominaria full art basics the stained glass ones were spoiled oh my god and i'm like oh if i i'm not playing with any other basic land now and that's i play a lot of basic lands it's very hard for me to say that but those are so good i mean they're megali lands yes so they are just one of, the, one of my favorite artists yeah she's my I, she's my favorite working magic artist right now i i think she's extraordinary i also really appreciate those stained glass lands after the travesty that was like the stained glass planeswalkers which were just like terror filters photoshop filters yeah and like the the pieces of glass had like several different colors in each individual piece of glass which isn't how stained glass works yeah no it whenever people bring stuff up that they really like the stained glass planeswalkers or that they want to show them off I, I always wanted to say these are the worst looking things of all time, but I never did because right, like, it's their happy personal about thing it. that they like. You know, yeah, that's cool. I, I, I just think it's so stupid. I honestly sometimes when a thing like that happens, I find myself a little jealous because I wish that I could be like so uncritically happy with stuff. I mean, I can be just, you know, not about that particular thing but it's 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 nuances and it's little touches that i appreciate that like show that care went into something and so things like you know if we're just going to be on the topic of stained glass stuff like i think the history of benalia art was like wonderful that was like such a cool example of that concept and a lot of the sagas are really like playing on similar ideas and i love when you can tell that something different is happening and the artist was really careful about it like i i love the saga art just in general i think mm -hmm. one of my favorite ones is i think it's the Aroan games it might not be though no it's not the Aroan games it's the Acroan war oh because sure. it's a, it's on a tapestry like a woven one mm -hmm. that's what the art is and at the end it just like isn't phrase off yeah. yeah yes those little things that those attentions to detail and like little moments of oh that's so cool i i love that stuff and that's that's what can make me really happy with art and just like little flavor things so you know i'll be getting all those basics from when dominary united comes out i don't honestly not even excited about the set i am really looking forward to the brothers war and hopefully mm -hmm. a phyrexia set league artifact stuff right i want to yeah, play yeah. some busted garbage in any format that they'll let me play it in but i don't expect you dominaria united to be that kind of thing like all the spoilers they previewed are just kind of whatever yeah it's very like legend oriented so far um i, I don't mind legend oriented i think it could make for a good draft set mm -hmm. but when you when one of your first preview cards is like burn down the house but like strictly worse <laughs> it's not gonna get me excited about the set <laughs>
not strictly worse. We don't All use right. that word on this podcast. All right. Okay. Let me, let's go back and edit that. But one of your, one of your first previews is burn down the house, but, but worse. mostly worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not going to get me excited. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, hopefully we'll get hit with some better stuff. I am looking forward to it just because it feels like it's been 10,000 years since we had new magic cards. So. I mean, there's been a set like every month since Streets of Nevada came out. I know, but none of those sets are relevant to my Magic the Gathering <laughs> experience. I yeah. demand that my needs be fed. All right, we'll 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 get on that right away. I want a new limited format. We still have and, like a month and change. Like this set comes out the end of September, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big wait. It's, it is... I mean, it's fine. I can find other ways to occupy my time. It just has been a little while since a new draft format has dropped, and that feels weird to me. I One of my favorite ways to engage in Magic is to check out the new set by drafting it a bunch and then learning like all the cards that way. I really just want Shakeups to Pioneer. I just need, want Pioneer to be a format I can like enjoy playing. Well, hopefully we like see I, some stuff. I, just in case people are listening to this and think I hate Pioneer, I don't really... like. I don't think it's a bad format or anything like that. I just don't enjoy playing it like i think it's kind of washed kind of dull it got put into a weird place when they just like decided that they didn't want it to be the combo format anymore and they just like wiped a lot of the stuff out of it and then treasure cruise and nykthos are more powerful than any other card in the format by such a a large margin that you kind of can't justify doing much else it's it's just in a weird place for sure i enjoy playing it because i like the way that a lot of the games play out but i may be lying to myself and it's just that i enjoy playing treasure cruise when <laughs> my opponents are not doing a good enough job of putting treasure cruise in their deck so you know that does that may not be me truly enjoying the format but i have enjoyed it for whatever reason that's what I just want: new magic cards, new stuff to do for. And, and nothing's ever going to impact modern until they print. You know, they either have to unban stuff or print something crazy like Modern Horizons three before modern gets impacted again. Uh, I, and that that's what is kind of like, that's my fear about modern is that it's just going to be like a rotating, just what is the latest modern, modern oriented set. set. Yeah put into the format okay we're about that for two years like it'll it'll iterate with time like things mm-hmm. will ebb and flow but it's not going to upheaval it's not going to go through an upheaval process like it, it's it's just the card pool is too large for that now yeah we're, only, and I mean, we're basically in legacy delver scenario but in mm-hmm. a way healthier spot than legacy sure and i mean we are very much oriented around the pitch elementals as like the core of the format. And I don't really know how you shake up and move away from that without like, I don't know what you have to incentivize to to make them not the basis of the format. It's a tough puzzle to solve. And I'm glad that I'm not tasked with doing that now. Yep. All right. We can be done. That seems like plenty. Perfect. Don't Great. envy you editing down this episode where we... Yeah had no coherency <laughs> that it's it's it ain't nothing it's fine everybody will know that this is really just a a joke around episode that's the whole point if they don't yeah. like us they don't have to listen to it 
This is, I mean, we were, it's going to be a two episode a week, right? There's the whole living end dive yeah. down one. They've got a whole episode of like, honestly, and that episode was dense. That entire episode is me. What, whatever skill and knowledge and insight that I have about living end, it is packed into that episode as densely as we possibly could. So if you want useful magic, the gathering information, that episode is your place to go this week. Um, and if you want to hang out, then, you know, we're already at the end of this episode. So thanks for sticking yeah, with thanks. us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you get the strategy. Sometimes you just get to hang out, yeah. you know. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody who stuck around this long. We do really appreciate your time. You know, check us out. Tell your friends that the MTG Grindcast is the best podcast around that's that's our helpful thing that you can do for us this week yeah you just go up to your friends and be like have you heard the good word of yes. the mtg grindcast it doesn't even have to be your magic playing friends you can just start them off and be like all right you need to know about the modern metagame and then point them to like four episodes ago and get them get them their start on magic the gathering podcast content and some some people are like, you know what? Strategy content is just not for me. You point into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye. I will not have a great week. My week will be filled with work and <laughs> flooding. <laughs>